There are leaders out there who have mastered the flow of talent to transform the careers of others, their organizations, and even entire industries. Our guest today calls those people super bosses. And on this episode, what the research shows and how they do it. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 236. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show will give you access to the best thinkers, resources, and actions to develop your leadership skills. And I do say that at the beginning of every show, leaders aren't born, they're made. And boy, that really reminds me of the lesson that I think we're going to be learning today from this conversation a conversation about what the best leaders out there do in order to influence and lead talent. And I'm really thrilled to be able to welcome Sidney Finkelstein to the show. He is the Stephen Roth Professor of Management at the Tuck School of Business at Dartmouth College, as well as the director for the Tuck Center for Leadership. He's published eight previous books, including the Wall Street Journal bestseller, why Smart Executives Fail. He's listed in the Thinker's 50, which is the world's most pre- prestigious ranking of leadership gurus. And he is here today to talk about his brand new book, Super Bosses, How Exceptional Leaders Master the Flow of Talent. Sydney, welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Great to be on with you, Dave. Well, as I was looking through the book and reviewing some of your research, I was really interested to see you're finding that if you study the top 50 leaders in any field, as many as a third of them will have worked for a super boss. And so this begs the question for those who haven't, aren't familiar with the book yet, what is a super boss? The way I define a super boss is a, a boss who helps other people that work for them, help them actually accomplish more than they ever thought possible. And as a result, they accelerate their careers. They help them get better. Uh, and a great side effect is when you help other people get better on your team or the people that work for you, they, the payoff to you is, is exponential because you're now surrounded by superstars that could advance your own agenda and your own business. So it's a win-win. I was really interested in reviewing some of the findings of your research that a lot of the things that I think of, and I think probably a lot of leaders think about as far as conventional wisdom of things we should and should not do in leading talent and helping people to develop talent. When you look at at these super bosses and some of the people are really doing masterful jobs at developing talent, they don't necessarily conform to some of the conventional wisdom. And I was wondering if you can can share with us some of the things you found that are a little different than what we may have learned in school or just learned along the way in our organizations? So a couple of examples, how they identify talent. Typical standard practice in in most organizations is you come up with a job description. These are the five things that you need, and you go hunt through some resumes, interview some people, and then you'll uh, offer a job to the person that gets the most check marks on that list. That's standard practice. For super bosses, while they they might do that on occasion, what they will also do regularly is actually create a job for a person when they didn't even have the job open in the first place. If they find the right person, they're always on the lookout for talent. I call them talent spotters. Wherever they go, whatever they're doing, they're on the lookout for great talent. You, you think of Ralph Lauren, you know, the fashion uh, guru, 
earlier in his career when he was, let's say, more of a mid-sized company, he was having dinner with his family at a, at a restaurant in New York and at, at the table next to them where it was another, another group and there was a woman sitting at that other table who was dressed kind of funky and interesting and put together well and uh, Ralph noticed her and they start having a conversation on and off over dinner, which is, you know, not that unusual when you talk to somebody next to, next to you at another table. And anyways, uh, Ralph and his family get up to leave and before he leaves, he goes over to this woman and he gives her his business card. She didn't even know who it was. You could imagine what that was like. She reads the business card, Ralph Lauren. And he says, if you have a chance to come by the office tomorrow, I'd like to offer you a job. Oh, so, wow. you know, who does a thing like that? <laughs> um, always talent spotting. And that, that's one of my favorite and actually very applicable when you said, you know, leaders are made, not born. Boy, is that ever the case when it comes to this idea of finding talent? What would stop anyone from being constantly on the lookout for great talent and creating the opportunity when the time is right for that person? Who, anyone could do that. Yeah. And well, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, most organizations just don't work that way or don't think that way. And leaders don't think that way of we've been taught to go through a formal hiring process and to look at the resumes, like all the things you described. And yet, when you look at some of the super bosses and what they're doing, they're often not really following those rules. And I do want to get into some of the things we can do in, in, within our organizations to change that. But one of the things you, you point out in the book is that they often do hire people on the spot or very quickly after meeting someone and sizing them up. How did they start to do that? I mean, that's one of the things I'm curious is, is there something that like a Ralph Lauren learned early on in his career that changed his trajectory if, as far as how he views talent and that are patterns that you see in some of these super bosses? Well, I think there, there are. And, you know, right at the top of the list is that super bosses are not afraid of making a bad hire. And that's actually a big deal because, of course, if you're going to do this kind of talent spotting and, and hiring people on the spot, you're not going to get a 100% hit rate. There are going to be a couple of bumps in there. And they have no concerns whatsoever. It was worth the effort. They don't mind. And you switch them out if it doesn't work. They find, of course, very often it does work. But if it doesn't, that's, that's fine. The other thing that they, they realize is they, the super bosses really value creativity. And they really value intelligence and flexibility. And they're willing to go to the ends of the earth to find people with these skills that fit into their visions, what they're trying to accomplish. So many companies, so many businesses, so many, so many bosses and leaders and CEOs, they, they follow a pattern of going after the same kind of collection of people. You look at, as one example, Silicon Valley is dominated with a, with a bias towards people that went to Stanford or the Ivy League schools or a handful of others. Does that mean you can't find talent anywhere else? That's crazy. Of course you could. You could find unbelievable talent all over the place. And I, I'll give you a very practical example from a super boss, Bill Walsh the former head coach of the San Francisco 49ers and the person that has just that has so many of his former assistant coaches, uh, his protégés, become head coaches in the NFL, a, kind of an incredible number. He was the first person that recognized that there was an untapped talent pool for coaching, for assistant coaches, and, and that was African-Americans. And if it wasn't for him, I think there would be very few African-American head coaches in the NFL today. He created an internship program, a development program, Bill Walsh has passed away, but that program now is run by the NFL and continues. And the point really is they're always looking for talent that is the absolute best, and they know that they need to look in, in places that maybe the average person is not looking for. And at that time, in the NFL, it was absolutely the case that African-Americans was huge. 
incredibly talented but untapped talent pool. And that's what they do. They'll do it time and time again. And I don't recall seeing this wording in your book or your research specifically, so forgive me if I'm drawing a conclusion here. But as I read through some of your material and I think about this in context of some of the other leadership conversations we've had on the show, I get the sense that the super boss really is playing the long game, looking at things not just for the here and now, and not even sometimes just from this organization that they're a part of. But the example you just mentioned with Bill Walsh is really thinking of how is this going to be helpful to this organization, to this industry, to these people's careers, maybe even long after I'm gone. Is that a fair assessment? It's a yes and a no. It's absolutely part of what they do. And, you know, Bill Walsh, the people that I interviewed from San Francisco 49er head office and president and others would say that, you know, he walked in here and his plan wasn't to be head coach. His plan was to build a dynasty. And that's really to your point, you know, continue the process for a long, long time. So I think that's true. But, you know, you can't, you can't run a business. You can't be a, be a manager in an organization unless you're producing results, as you well know. And this approach to finding talent and, and developing talent, because it helps people get better faster, it accelerates their development, they're able to contribute to what you're trying to accomplish as the leader, as the boss, as the CEO, a lot more quickly. And so I think there is a bit of that long game, but there's also a very practical, you know, this is, this is not just uh, let's wait and see, but there's some big time results and they come pretty quickly. Very good. Well, and another piece that I found is interesting, and, and as much as super bosses are sometimes doing things differently than some of the conventional wisdom, it's also interesting to me that if you look back in history, one of the ways that talent was developed in you know, previous centuries was that master-apprentice relationship. And you've pointed that out in your research as the super boss tends to create that master-apprentice relationship. Tell me more about that. It really is uh, remarkable if you think about it. How did anyone learn their craft? They learned it at the foot of the master. They were an apprentice. And that was how it worked for centuries. And, you know, we have a replacement now. It's called higher education. And people get educated and we assume they know what they're doing. Well, you know, I'm in the education business, but experience counts for, for a lot. What super bosses do, and again, it's a bit counterintuitive to your point earlier, they will work very closely with people. At the same time, I roll up their sleeves and work with them at the same time as they delegate and create big opportunities for people on their team. And, you know, a lot of people look at that as, you know, how could you do that? You're either a big delegator or you're a micromanager if you want to take kind of the, the opposite. And for super bosses, they, they don't look at it that way. They look at it that, that, in fact, there are two different things. You could be a big de- delegator or not much of a delegator. You could be a big micromanager or you could be a hands-on manager. And they do both. They'll delegate big. They'll create opportunities for people on their teams. But at the same time, again, this kind of roll up the sleeve, work closely with them, kind of show up at the door of someone on your team. And, uh, you know, for the next hour, we're going to dig into the details here at a very fine, fine level. They're not going to do your job, which is what micromanagers do, but they're not going to tell you how to do their, do your job. I think the right word here is teacher or coach. That's what they are. And that's what the apprenticeship approach was all about. You would be learning from somebody who has done, done this, whatever that happens to be, for a longer period of time has deeper knowledge. Well, that's what super bosses do. You, you, you think about it that way, and it seems like, well, why wouldn't we do it that way? Why wouldn't everybody want to develop talent that way? But somehow along the way, I don't know, we, we, we lost some of this. And what I love about super bosses, they're, they're, they're bringing it back. And it's one of the things that accelerates careers. I'm sure you've heard this objection, or maybe it's not even an objection, a statement from 
senior leaders and organizations, I've heard it is, well, I've, I've hired smart people. They've got a great education. They've got great experience. I expect them to come in and know what they need to know. And why should I spend time as a leader spending a lot of time having to still develop that person? And it sounds like super bosses really have a different perspective than that of they expect that, yes, they're hiring smart people. And they also expect at the same time that they're going to be very much involved in continuing that development process. Yeah. I don't think they, they'd be the type that would say, you know, leave the smart people alone and then figure it out. They'll do some of that, but again, they're just closely involved. And if you think about it, they have such deep content knowledge, the Ralph Lawrence, the Lauren Michaels, you know, Julian Robertson, all these kind of great leaders, great entrepreneurs, people built businesses. They know so much about what they're all about that their opportunity to just add a little bit at the right time could be exactly the spice you need, you know, in the mixture you're creating about, among talent that changes the recipe from something that's very good to something that's off the charts. That's their mindset. We've talked about how to bring people into the organization and what super bosses tend to do when they're working to develop talent. And as it's also interesting to me that you make a point in your research uh, findings on how they say goodbye. Tell us more about that. Yeah, this is another thing that's different. In fact, maybe most surprising of all, uh, super bosses are willing to let even their best people go. But the word I use there, willing to, is actually not accurate. Is it the case that we could force people to stay and work for us? Of course not. The best people will do what they want to do. And it turns out that the best people will want your job, will want to be running there and running in the business, will want to have a bigger responsibility. And at some point, there's not going to be that opportunity because you're there, you're doing it. And so if that's the case and you have this great talent, what, what are you going to do about that? Are you going to leave them in a place where they kind of plateau and are not growing? Well, that's okay for some people, which is fine. But for the best people, they're not going to accept that. They're going to be moving. They're going to be looking for those opportunities. At that point, I say, why wouldn't we want to be strategic about this? and Say, okay, if we can help them get that next opportunity or encourage them and support them, imagine what loyalty we'll get. Imagine the opportunity to connect with them. And sometimes you could even do business with them afterwards. And I had plenty of examples from super bosses. You know, take, take one, Tommy Frist, who was the CEO of Hospital Corporation of America. When, when he had somebody in his management team that was really, really great and ready to move on, he would spin off or create a spin-off company, whether it was a, you know, a mental health clinic, a surgical center, what have you. And this senior executive would move into that job, would become the CEO, be an independent company, but Tommy Frist and, and HCA would have an equity stake. And so you're getting a kind of an ongoing relationship with people, even though you're moving them, you're moving them out. And the truth is they're going to move out anyways. You know, Dave, we don't even have to talk about millennials to make this point clear, right? Yeah. You know, how many people are starting, starting their jobs and saying, boy, I can't wait to get my 25 years in and get that gold watch. I mean, nobody's thinking that way. If that's the case, if that's the world we're in, why wouldn't we want to recognize that's it and then do something about it as opposed to pretending that people will want to stay with us forever? It's about facing up to the world, that the, the way that it really is when it comes to talent and people, and letting them go in a way that benefits them, but also benefits you. So two things I'm curious about in thinking about this and, and how, to, how to leverage a lot of the things you've been talking about is, one, what we can do to become a better super boss ourselves, and also how we can find them. And, and I think a lot of us would aspire to be the kind of leader you've articulated and when you look at the people that you've studied, are there common patterns of things that they've done or they didn't do earlier in their careers 
that help them to think and lead this way and really look at things very much from a talent development standpoint? I think a big thing that they all have in common, and they had it from very early, very early stage of their career, is this vision or this inspiration about what they wanted to accomplish. You take a um, an Alice Waters, who was a famous restaurateur, who pretty much created farm-to-table organic food in America, and now everybody does. She had this vision of that's how you eat, that's how you do things. You take a Norman Brinker, who started the Chili's restaurant chain and Brinker's International and Steak and Ale, and so many of his protégés are now running companies like Lone Star and T.F. Chang and many, many others. He had a vision of what a multi-unit restaurant chain could look like, better than fast food, but at a, a more accessible price point. And he wasn't going to change that vision. That was kind of what drove him. That's what drove Alice Waters. That's what drove Ralph Lauren. All these people have their, their vision. That's something that's very much in common. And it's actually a good thing that for everyone to keep in mind because it, it gets to the question, what do we want to accomplish in our, in our time that we have in our careers and our lives? What do we, what's our mark? What do we want to leave? The sooner we get a sense of that, the better. Now, that doesn't mean you can't adapt, adjust, change, learn. They do all of those things. But I think that's a big part. And then the second thing that I think is something that anyone can do, anyone can think about, and is a definite commonality, is this thing around creativity or, or innovation. Super bosses are really innovative. They're innovative in their businesses in terms of what they create and the type of business that they create. And they're also innovative in how they think about people and talent. And you just think about some of the things that we've been talking about with respect to hiring talent, finding talent, letting them go, managing them through delegation and hands-on. All these things are innovations, if you will, in the talent and how to manage talent, how to manage people. They're really believers in and always pushing for something new. They expect people on their teams to always come up with something new, and they themselves hold themselves to the same standard. So I think those are two of the key places where anyone listening today at any time to, the, to, to what we're talking about, they can say, okay, let me really think about what it is I want to accomplish. What's my vision? What do I want to do in whatever my job happens to be? And how can I change the way that world works? How can I change the way people think about that job and that, and that business in, in a way that, that plays to my strengths but also changes the rules on others? And you get right down to it. Get some type of advantage in the marketplace that allows you to be more, more successful. These are a couple of key things I would want to single out. Yeah, and it's very much in alignment with a lot of the conversations we've had on the show previously, Sydney. And the, the amount of times we've had vision come up as a key point for leaders is just really remarkable and, and important for all of us to recognize. And I, I'm thinking also from the perspective of some of the folks who are part of our audience who are earlier in their careers. And one of the things that I'm, I'm sure is coming up for people is, well, how do I find one of these super bosses? We've talked about some of the, the more well-known examples, um, but, but I'm also curious, what can we do when we're in that interview process or we're talking to a leader in an organization and thinking about an opportunity? What are some things we can do to, that would help us to identify who might be a super boss versus someone who doesn't think through that framework? Yeah, exactly. And so here's my radical idea interview your interviewer. When you're interviewing for a job or any situation where you're learning about an opportunity, start thinking about the right questions to ask. So what are some of those questions? Well, I'd like to ask, let's say, you know, I was interviewing with you, Dave, for a job working with you. I'd say, well, you know, tell me, tell me, Dave, tell me about some of the people that worked for you in the past. Where are they today? How is, how is the time they spent working with you? How's that kind of affected where they've ended up? Are you still in touch with them? I mean, what is it like when you talk to them? What you want to hear, of course, is that there's plenty of people that have used the, used the job with, with you 
as, as a springboard for their own career. And you also want to hear that your boss or prospective bosses continue to stay in touch with those people because that's part of this, this bond that, that forms, this network that, uh, that forms. I'd also want to know, you know how, how do you spend a typical day? What does it look like? I'm just curious. And what you're listening for here is how orchestrated is a particular day. If you're going from meeting to meeting to meeting, which is what so many people end up, end up, get, end up doing and I think trap themselves into, you don't have any open time for, for freelancing, if you will, for doing that kind of rolling up your sleeves and working with people. You become too choreographed. Super bosses don't let themselves fall into those traps. I'd also want to know about where's your office, even something like that. It's amazing how many super bosses have put their office smack in the middle of everybody else to make it easy, to remove the physical barriers, but to make it easier for them to be with other people. So, you know, there's, there are dozens of things you could ask. And these are all legitimate questions, I think, to ask in an interview. They're not inappropriate by any means. And what you want to do is listen carefully for what the answers are and what they reveal about your prospective boss in terms of being a potential super boss. Sydney, I love the advice of interview the interviewer and really think about those questions in advance and be looking to be interviewing them as much as they're interviewing you and being able to think, you know, what's the right opportunity for me and who's going to really support me in my career. And I I really appreciate that perspective. Uh, Sydney, boy, so much here to think of. I'm really excited to get a sense of this concept and the research and to see what people are doing out there. For those who are, are really interested in getting into more detail here. I know the book's a great resource. What will folks get from the book that will really help them as a framework for building this skill and identifying it in others? The book has, has based on all these years of research and hundreds of interviews, there's a, lot of, there's a lot there. And there are two big things that people will get out of it. One, of course, are these amazing stories of some legendary leaders that are just interesting to learn from and to, to kind of hear their stories about how Ralph Lauren became Ralph Lauren and Lauren Michaels and you know, George Lucas and, and plenty of others. But more concrete, every chapter has very specific ideas and suggestions on what anyone can do to become more like a super boss, whether it's in terms of talent, in terms of innovation, in terms of motivation and inspiration, managing teams. I wrote the book to be very accessible and very practical. It's one thing to do all this research and write a book, but the the real test of the ideas is whether they're useful and actually people use them. They help you get better as a as a manager, as a leader, or how to find a super boss or become more of a super boss. And that's what we really tried to focus on in the book. Indeed. And that's one of the things I really noticed as well in the material and uh, how much you've really taken that practical approach, very much in alignment with this show as well, too. And I hope folks will check it out, particularly if this is appealing to you and thinking about not only how you are viewing your own career, but how you view the careers of others in your organization and developing talent in order to really maximize uh, your leadership and the results of the people you have the privilege to lead. Sydney, thank you so much for your time. I'm really grateful for your, your perspective on this and your wisdom on how all of us can become more of a super boss. Thank you, Dave. Sydney Finkelstein is the author of Super Bosses, How Exceptional Leaders Master the Flow of Talent. Thanks, Sydney. That was good. Great questions. Thank you. A couple of members in the Coaching for Leaders Mastermind have already read Super Bosses and found it to be a really helpful guide. So thank you again, Sydney, for your time and wisdom and your research you've done on this. And I hope that you will check out more of the resources as well in the show notes at coachingforleaders.com slash 236. As always, uh, welcome any questions, comments, or feedback you have either on this episode or for the 
monthly Q&A shows that are on the first Monday of the month. And you can submit a question for that at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And speaking of the show notes, you do get those in the weekly leadership guide. So those of you who have subscribed to that, you'll get those on Wednesday. And that includes my thoughts and recommendations on articles, podcasts, videos, books, that will support your development between the shows and also includes an overview and link from me each week to the weekly show notes. If you listen on the go like I do, that'll help you in getting the most value from each episode. And when you join the weekly leadership guide, you'll also get access to my reader's guide listing the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others and brief summaries from me on the value of each of those books. It's an 11-page reader's guide and nine-minute video that will give you an overview of those book recommendations. And you can get access to all of that at coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And I mentioned on a past episode that information about the Coaching for Leaders Mastermind seats opening up in the very near future is actually going to be coming this week. So those of you who have expressed interest in that, watch for that both here on the podcast feed and also by email for those of you who get the weekly leadership guides. So if you're not already uh, joined and want to learn more about that, again, coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe. And finally, this week, a big thank you to those of you who have been on iTunes recently and have written a review or rating for the show. Thank you especially to Anthony Grillo and Mark Jansen for the very kind reviews on iTunes. It's hugely helpful on more people finding the show. If you've been listening for a bit and you found the show helpful and uh, have a moment to go online and leave a review, that's uh, always appreciated. Just go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes and thank you in advance so much for all your support. And I look forward to talking with you again next week and also actually later on this week with an announcement about the mastermind and i look forward to continuing to support you in your leadership development have a great week take care